And this morning, as we uh, as we think about the events that's coming up, this that next Sunday is Easter, and uh, we'll be celebrating the, uh, the 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 resurrection of Jesus Christ, and uh, and leading up to that uh, that resurrection, there was a crucifixion. Uh, and as we think about that crucifixion, I want us to focus on that today. If you, if you would open your Bibles to the book of John, chapter 19. Book of John, chapter 19. And we're going to be reading verses 16 through, through 30 this morning of John, chapter 19. Uh, a lot have, have been, uh, has been told down through the years about the cross, uh, about the crucifixion. Uh, I cannot remember the first time I heard about the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. I was brought up in church, and uh, I have always been exposed to this good news about the crucifixion of Christ and what Jesus did on the cross to pay the price for my sins. I don't remember the first time. Maybe you uh, didn't hear that as a young person, as a child, and it was later on in life. Uh, that you were exposed to this information, but it was there's no other event in the history of mankind that uh, uh, has impacted the world such as the, the, the crucifixion of Christ. No other event. There's been many events that have changed the course of this world, but nothing has changed the course of this world like the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. And, and if you don't understand all that took place on that hill some 2,000 years ago, I hope today we'll have a better understanding. And it's more than just a historical event. It is uh, the life-changing gospel of, the Je- of Jesus Christ that will change your life forever. We sang a little bit about the cross this morning in our, in our, in our worship time. From the book of Genesis all the way through the Bible, God has been recording prophecies, establishing pictures, uh, uh, and foretelling the slain Lamb of God. We'll talk about that in just a moment. In the book of John, chapter number 19... Beginning in verse number 16, if you are physically able, uh, I ask you to stand for the reading of the word of God. John chapter 19, starting at verse number 16. Then delivered he him therefore unto them to be crucified. And they took Jesus and led him away. And he, bearing the cross, went forth into the place a place called the place of the skull, which is called in the Hebrew Golgotha, where they crucified him and two others with him on either side, one and Jesus in the midst. And Pilate wrote a title and put it on the cross. And the writing was Jesus of Nazareth, the king of the Jews. This title then read many of the Jews for the place where Jesus was crucified was nigh to the city. And it was written in Hebrew and Greek and Latin. Then said the chief priest of the Jews to Pilate, Write not the king of the Jews, but that he said, I am king of the Jews. Pilate answered, 
What I have written, I have written. Then the soldiers, when they had crucified Jesus, took his garments and made four parts to every soldier apart, and also his coat. Now the coat was without seam, woven from the top throughout. They said, therefore, among themselves, let us not rend it, but cast lots for it, whose it shall be. That the scripture might be fulfilled, which saith, they parted my raiment among them. And for my vesture, they did cast lots. These things, therefore, the soldiers did. Now there stood by the cross of Jesus, of mother, of Jesus his mother, and his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Cleophas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus therefore saw his mother and the disciples standing by whom he loved, he said unto his mother, Woman, behold thy son. And he said to his disciple, Behold thy mother. And from that hour that disciple took her unto his own house. After this, Jesus, knowing that all things were now accomplished, that the scripture might be fulfilled, saith, I thirst. Now there was set a vessel full of vinegar, and they filled a sponge with vinegar and put it upon a hyssop and put it to his mouth. When Jesus therefore had received the vinegar, he said, It is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up the ghost. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for this day. We thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to open your word once again. To think about the cross this morning, what it means to all of us here today, and what took place there some 2,000 years. Dear Lord, don't ever let us forget what took place on that cross. We're so thankful for the cross this morning. We're thankful that the sacrifice was made to pay the price for our sins. We're thankful for your love that you showed throughout the world by sending your son to die on that cross. Dear Lord, thank you for this day. We thank you for those who have come uh, for the worship hour today. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. All the way through the Bible, there has been recordings of prophecies, statements pointing to an event somewhere in the future. And we could go back to the book of Genesis. In Genesis 3.15, after the fall of man, after Adam had sinned, and, 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 and there was going to be something to help him because he was separated from God, God said, I will put enmity between thee and the woman, talking uh, to the serpent, and between her, thy, her, thy seed and her seed, and it shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. Prophecy of a, of a Savior that would one day come and, and pay the price for all of our sins. Abraham, as he offered his son as a sacrifice, as God had instructed. In the middle of that story, the Isaac looks at his father and he says, Behold the, the, the wood. And the fire. But where is the lamb? 
And Abraham responded, God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. God would provide himself a lamb. And then there was the Passover lamb. The time when Israel was in slavery in Egypt and God was working through Moses and, and getting them out of that, that bondage. And on that Passover, uh, angel came and, and uh, they, were, they were instructed to choose a lamb. Not just any lamb, not the one that was sickly and, and, and the one that was uh, 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 just uh, looked like any other lamb, but it had to be spotless. It had to be pure. It was a special lamb because it was, it was typical of the lamb of God that was going to one day come. And they were instructed to, as they killed that lamb, to take the blood from that lamb and put it on the, the doorpost of the house and, and across the top. And, and in that picture of the blood on each side and the blood on the top, it was a picture of Jesus on that cross as, as a, the ultimate Passover lamb for all of, all of mankind. All through the scripture, we have been given uh, hints and, and, and instructions about what it's going to be, who, where, how it's going to happen, where it's going to happen. All of these details have been given down through the years. Jesus in our text today says, it is finished. And that's what I've entitled this message this morning. It is finished. Never get, we should never get used to the story of the cross. We, we, we tell it all the time and, and we should. Our children need to be exposed to the story of the cross. They need to know about what happened on the cross. And we should never take it for granted. We should never feel like, oh, I've heard that story before. No, tell the story over and over. There's a world out there who's never heard the story. There's a world out there that they don't know who Jesus is. They don't know about the cross. They don't know what he did for him, but for them. And we must tell the story of the cross. As we look at our text here this morning, our text is written by an eyewitness. Out of all of his disciples, his 12 disciples, none were at the cross except for one. None were there to follow him during this, uh, this time of death, except for one, John. John was there. You know, if you want to know what happened uh, in, in, in a particular event, it's best to have an eyewitness. It's best to have someone who was there, who saw what took place, and as John being there as the only uh, uh, one of the disciples who, who was an eyewitness to the, to the fact, he gives us a picture of what was going on there. He, he was an eyewitness. Well, the first thing I want us to look at here today is the scene described at the cross. Now, we have heard down through the years many uh, much research in knowing what goes on at a crucifixion. A lot of things have been added to the story and 
Many of you, probably most of you, possibly have seen that, that film that was put out a few years ago, The Passion of the Christ. And, um, you've seen the uh, visual, and, and, and to my knowledge, it was uh, there was a lot of historical facts that was entered into that that that, that program. And we think about the blood and the, the gore and the. Uh, the sweat and the, the tears and, and all that went into the cross. But I want you to understand that none of that was recorded in the Word of God. Uh, it, that doesn't mean it wasn't so. But it wasn't recorded in the Bible. John being an eyewitness to what had taken place on that day. Him being an eyewitness to everything that had happened to our Lord through the, through the night and on that day as he was placed on that cross. The thing that he says about him in verse number 18, it says they crucified him. That's all he says about the crucifixion. They crucified him. And, and as we look at that, we want to see that there was some things that John wanted to show us. There was some things that he wanted, some, some details that he, he wanted to, uh, to give us. He didn't talk about the weight of the cross. He didn't talk about the pain that he endured, the, the tears that were shed. But there was three things that he, he discussed and he showed, shared with us. He said he was bearing the cross. <laughs> Some of our people have just gotten back a week or so ago from Israel. And I don't know, I wasn't on their tour, but when I was there a few years ago, uh, I didn't take the big tour. We just kind of did our own thing and rented a car and went to the places we wanted to go. And we got to the old city of Jerusalem and there's these guys out front and they're wanting to show you around and and, and so we paid him a little money to have him show us around the city. And, 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 and at the end of that tour that we, he gave us around the city, he ended up in this church of the Holy Sepulcher. Um, I can tell you for a fact that that's not where it happened. <laughs> Uh, the, the, the other religious, religious groups have, have, have put this built this church here and they, they had a slab uh, laying down that they said that they cleaned the body of Jesus. People were crawling on that slab and kissing it and laying on it trying to get some kind of special powers and things and, and go on down and you see that where they say where the tomb was all that under this it, it didn't happen there. Okay, uh, when we read the facts of the Bible, it, it, uh, and we'll get to it, it was near the place, near the, near the city. It was nigh unto the city. It wasn't inside the city. But as, as we look uh, at, at uh, 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 he, he says he's bearing the cross. He was going through the, the narrow streets of that city, and they are narrow. Um. We think of a narrow street because there's, it's only one way with one lane. Uh, they, they have some streets so narrow a car can't get down them. Uh, you'd have you'd walk through those streets or, or a bicycle maybe, but, but you, don't, you, you don't drive down these streets. They're narrow. 
with the, the narrow streets that he was walking through, carrying his cross, making his way to the out, the outer wall of the city. And I remember being there as I was uh, going out the Damascus Gate, which is the gate towards the north. Before I even got to the gate, there was some steps. The earth was climbing. It was getting higher. I thought about the Lord carrying that cross, going out that gate, going uphill. And that wasn't all. Right outside that Damascus gate, and those who have been there know what I'm talking about, there is a whole bunch of steps to get up to street level. I, I, I did a little research, got on Google Earth. That is a neat program. But I counted the steps because someone had taken a 360 degree picture from right there at that Damascus gates. 36 steps from the time you get out of that Damascus gate to you get up to street level to get on over to Gol Golgotha. That's three floors. If you were walking, some folks have difficulty. Brother Anthony lives on the third floor. <laughs> He's kind of gotten used to that, but uh, uh, three floors can be a challenge for some people. Carrying a cross. Carrying a cross after being beaten and tortured and tired. Carrying a cross to Golgotha called the place of the skull. Those who have had the opportunity to be there, you can still remember the sockets, the eye sockets in that cliff, that cliff wall. From a distance, you can make out the, the image of a skull, a place where not just Jesus, but many people were crucified in that same spot. It was just, seemed like the right place for that city to crucify people. It was eerie looking with that skull behind and that place called Golgotha. Well, John said he was bearing his cross, but not only that, but it was two thieves that were crucified with him. One on one side and one on the other. Other of the uh, Gospels record uh, the events going around that, how that one uh, was uh, 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 mocking Jesus and the other was asking for repentance. We have a an option like that today. Whoever you are today, you have a choice. You either are going to ask for repentance of him or you're going to mock him. Choice is yours. But the end result is they all died. And you will too. And what you do with the man that's on the cross will determine your destiny. What you have done with the Savior that's on the cross will determine whether you have everlasting life. So, preacher, well, I've been to church all my life. That doesn't matter. I'm glad you did have, you have been to church all your life. But listen, it matters what you've done with that person that was on the cross. That's the bottom line. It's what you have done with him. 
Well, John talks about a sign that Pilate put above Jesus' head. He talks about a sign and he says in John, uh, Jesus of Nazareth, the king of the Jews. There was two other words that were also on the sign. And you have to read all four of the Gospels to get the entire inscription. The entire inscription was, this is Jesus of Nazareth, the king of the Jews. That was the inscription that was normally the accusation for the crime that was committed by the person being crucified. Uh, they would put their, 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 their crime and that was what he was accused of being. Well, the Jews didn't like that sign. It was placed there in, in Hebrew and Greek and Latin. The Jews wanted Pilate to change it. Said, so don't put that he was the king of the Jews. Put that he said he was the king of the Jews. By this time, Pilate had enough with these Jews' leaders. He'd had his patience had run out. And he says, what I have written... I have written. It's going to stay there. And I want you to know what Pilate wrote was more than he understood. More than he could con con contemplate. That more than he could, uh, can, can imagine the truth in that statement. Jesus of Nazareth, the king of the Jews. He was a peculiar looking king. I mean, if he's a king, where is his throne? He had a cross. If he's a king, where is his diadem? He had a crown of thorns. Let me tell you, wherever Jesus is, whether he is dying on a cross or sitting on the circle of the earth, or walking on the Sea of Galilee, Jesus is king. Amen. Pilate didn't make him a king. And the only reason Pilate had the authority that he had because God gave it to him. Amen. Book of Revelation chapter 19. I'm going to turn briefly over there. Book of Revelation chapter 19. This same writer that we're reading today wrote the book of the Revelation, verse number 11, Revelation 19, 11, it says, And I saw heaven open, behold, a white horse, and he that sat on him was called Faithful and True, and in righteousness he doth judge and make war. His eyes were as a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns, and he had a name written, that no man knew but he himself. And he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. And the armies which were in heaven followed upon him with white horses, clothed in fine linen, white and clean. And out of his mouth goeth the sharp sword, that with it he shall smite the nations, and he shall rule them with a rod of iron. And he treadeth the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God. And he hath on his vesture and on his thigh a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. 
John wanted us to see some things about the cross. But John also wanted us to hear from the cross. There were some things he wanted us to hear from the cross. Toward the end of his suffering and pain on the cross, he had been suffering for several hours. Darkness was on the face of the earth at noontime till three o'clock. There were some other words that were spoken from the cross that are not recorded in the book of John. But in the midst of all of this suffering, there is the most tender moment that is shared in the book of John. With all that was going on in his physical life there on that cross, and the suffering and pain, in a demonstration of love for his mother, he looks down and sees his mother and wants to make sure she's taken care of. In the midst of paying the price for our sins, all of our guilt is on him. The blood has been shed. He's on that cross. We can only imagine what he's feeling. There's no way we can know. But in the middle of all of that, he sees his mother and he has compassion for her. He sees her weeping at the foot of the cross and he wants to make sure his mama is taken care of. Listen, folks, you only have one mother. You only have one. She may not be perfect. She's most likely made some mistakes, and so have you. But don't forget your mother. Don't forget to give her honor. Don't forget to love her. Folks, if you don't know how to take care of your mother, if you don't know how to love your mother, it's hard to, just hard to call yourself Christian. I mean, what does Christian mean? Somebody. Christ-like. What did Christ do? <coughs> Looked after his mother. It's hard to say Christian. You say, you don't know, preacher. You don't know what my mother's done. Love your mother. Isn't it amazing how God can love us in spite of what we've done? <laughs> we can love our mothers. Jesus. John thought it was important enough to share. He looks at his mother and he says, as John is standing there beside her, Woman, behold thy son. Jesus was making sure that when he was gone, somebody would look after his mother. And he turned to John and says, Behold thy mother. There's not a whole lot said about that in the Bible from that day forward. But a few years ago, I had the privilege of going to, to Ephesus. It's in East, uh, western Turkey. 
And as we're there, I'm, I'm reading around, and there, there, is some, there is a house there near Ephesus, near the ancient city of Ephesus. There's a house there. And they say it's Mary's house. You say, well, what, what do you mean? Why in Ephesus, on the western side of Turkey, why would Mary be uh, all the way from Israel, where she was in Jerusalem, to the western side of, of Turkey? Well, guess who used to be the pastor of the church at Ephesus? John. In fact, his tomb is there before he was exiled on Patmos, which is just off the coast there, just a little way. He's been there too. And, and, and while John was there in Ephesus, guess what? He had a house there for Mary. He fulfilled his obligation that Jesus gave him. He did the job that Jesus gave him to do, and he did it faithfully. Oh, if we would just have people today that would just do the job that God gives us to do and do it faithfully. If we would just find out what God wants us to do in his church operation, and we would do it faithfully to the end. Oh, how wonderful the church would be if we would all be doing what the Lord has given us to do. John had a job to do it, and he did it to his fullest ability. He wanted, John wanted us to see a sign. This is Jesus of Nazareth, Nazareth the King of the Jews. He wants to hear his concern and compassion in his dying breaths. We've seen the scene described at the cross. But secondly, I want us to see the scriptures fulfilled on the cross. The sovereign hand of God. As you look through chapter 19 of John and see the places where it says that the scripture might be fulfilled. You will see with pinpoint accuracy the Bible is true and you can believe what's in your Bible. You can believe it. God's word is true. All through the book, uh, this chapter, you'll find time after time after time. Verse number 23, we find it says they, they gambled for his coat. The soldiers, they gambled for his coat. This is the fulfillment of Psalm 22, 18, where it says they parted my garments among them and cast lots upon my vesture. Written hundreds of years before Christ was born. They each had their portion of clothes. The soldiers had, had they each taken apart. Those four soldiers had taken apart uh, of his clothes. When they got to his coat, they probably talked it over. This is an expensive coat. It would be a pity to cut it in four pieces. Let's just roll the dice and see who gets it. Well, you may say this is a good idea. This was uh, being wise. No, it was a fulfillment of the word of God. God was bringing his word of prophecy to reality. It was a fulfillment of scripture. Verse number 28. Where Jesus says, I thirst. Psalm 69, 21 says, They gave me also gall for my meat, and in my thirst they gave me vinegar to drink. Verse number 36. For these things were done, that the scripture might be fulfilled, a bone of him shall not be broken. You may ask the question, where was this prophecy? Well, you remember that Passover lamb we were talking about earlier? 
When they offered this sacrifice, they didn't just take a meat cleaver and just hack it up. It had to be divided uh, in a method that was uh, given in the scriptures of how they were supposed to divide that lamb. Time was taken. It was, it was done in a precise way that not a bone of that lamb was to be broken. We've seen the sovereign hand of God in the scriptures and the sacrifice lamb of God. As we look at verse number 37, there they had broken the legs of the other two. They came to him and he was already dead. And they thrust a spear up through his body and blood and water came out. Listen, they didn't pierce him to make sure he was dead. They pierced him to fulfill prophecy. Back in the book of Zechariah chapter 12 and verse 10 it says, And I will pour upon the house of David, upon the inhabitants of Jerusalem, the spirit of grace and of supplications, and they shall look upon me whom they have pierced. It was a fulfillment of scripture. The scene described at the cross, the scriptures fulfilled at the cross. And lastly, I want us to see the salvation that was completed at the cross. Jesus says it is finished. It is finished. There is so much that I'd like to do so much that I need to do, but I seldom get finished. Those who helped unload the truck this past week, and I appreciate those who were able to, uh, on short notice, come and help us. You may or may not have seen some pieces of wood coming off of that truck. Didn't recognize what it was, but I've had a project going on for over four years. It started in Romania. I promised my wife I was going to build her a bed. It's not finished. I, I attempted to leave those pieces in Romania, and she says, no, you're not leaving my bed. <laughs> and so those pieces are now in my garage. In pieces. I have difficulty finishing things. I, I, you know, the, the artist dies and leaves a painting unfinished. The farmer dies and leaves his field half planted. Preacher dies and leaves a sermon unfinished, unpreached on his desk. We say we need more time to finish. Our Savior came and finished the work he came to do. He finished. He paid the sin debt of the entire world. He came to die in our place. He didn't say, I am finished. 
He said, it is finished. Our Savior is not finished. But the plan of redemption is finished. It is finished. There's nothing we can add to our salvation. People for years have been trying to add to salvation. Well, you've got to do this. You've got to do that. But our Bible says, For what grace are you saved through faith? And, it, and that not of works. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Not grace plus religious activity. Just grace. And that's it. Really? That's all you want. At the end of the day, if you believed in something other than what I've just spoken, you would wonder, did I do enough? Was I good enough? Did I do the right things? At the end of the day, you want grace. Jesus said, it is finished. And you can't add to that. Nothing in my hand I bring simply to the cross I cling. It is finished. This morning, as we consider the cross, see the scene. Things that were shared by John in this chapter. Seeing the scriptures that were fulfilled. And we've seen salvation is finished. The question for you this morning, have you experienced that salvation yourself? Have you given your heart to Jesus? Have you received Jesus Christ as your personal Savior? Confessing your sins to Him and inviting Him into your life and your heart. That's why He did it. He was on that cross, dying. He had the sins of the world on Him. Those lies you told. That evilness that you spoke. Those things that you did it was on him it was on his shoulders at that moment and and he died on the cross to pay for your sins as if you were the only person in this world he died for you you're here today and you've never received Jesus Christ as your savior that's the invitation today Maybe you're here and there's some other things in your life you just need to get worked out and and you just want to just talk to the Lord. Altar's open.